Welcome to episode five of our Tech Talks, where we talk data mesh in practice. Very interesting episode today because we don't talk about uh, what technology is best, but we talk about what technology is best for. Just a word of difference, but at the same time, a world of difference. And that's why we have today two people that are very experienced in this field, but they're not technocrats. They're not technology maniacs. And the first one is Andrea Fare, founder of uh, Leapfrog. Uh, they work a lot with teams. So on their website is leapfrog.team, link in description. And uh, they focus on um, companies organization but in a very interesting way, focusing a lot on people and giving people the chance to express themselves, affect company, the company future, really, by creating a, a meaningful working environment. And they focus on, on the hard stuff, uh, on company policies, organization, and so on, but at the same time, on the soft, side of doing business together, which means human relations and and how to get along and, and work together as a team. Uh, second guest uh, we've seen before, but it's always a pleasure to have him back with us, Alberto Firpo, the co-founder of Agile Lab. Agile Lab is more of an IT company, and that's why our website is agilelab.it, link in description again. And now, uh, without further ado, uh, let's dive into this uh, this topic. It, it's interesting because it's a it's a very important uh, aspect of uh, data mesh, but sometimes it's uh, it's heavily undervalued, and people don't pay enough attention to it. So uh, let let's start uh, with uh, why. Uh, we have Andrea and Alberto together today. I think that that could be a nice beginning. Alberto, why did we invite uh, Andrea with us today? Well, it's very simple uh, because actually we are working with Andrea on the organizational perspective, not just within Agile Lab, I mean with the internal organization of Agile Lab, but also because we have discovered this nice link between uh, how the organization, how the new work, um, organizational work could fit into the data mesh initiative, generally speaking. And so uh, we thought we need the best of the best to do that. And, uh, and so that's why we, we have collaborated with, uh, with Andrea in creating what we think it could, it could be uh, the data mesh blueprint that normally we can employ with our customers and so on. This is why we have engaged together uh, in this new kind of initiative. Excellent. Andrea, a question uh, for you. When we talk about data mesh and the, the new paradigm with Alberto, I always get the feeling that it, it's so obvious. Why haven't people thought about it before? It makes so much sense. So what I would like to ask you is what is changing or has changed in your experience in the enterprise organization in the last years? And let, let's focus on, on two perspectives. 
pure organization and data organization. Great. Great. Thanks. Thanks a lot for the question and for the great introduction. Um, Alberto and Nicola, thanks from everyone, uh, from, from having me and, and, and hello everyone, all, all the, the listeners. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'll leave probably the data organization part to Alberto, who's more of an expert in this field, but, but maybe I'll start tackling the, the more the purely organizational things that are, we are witnessing at the, at the moment. So it's, it's, uh, it's an era of, of, of big, uh, big change, of big, uh, big trends. But unfortunately, the bigger the companies and the, and the slower the, the, the change. We are in a particular uh, time in history where we have uh, a discrepancy between our paleolithic brains that are buried in a medieval organizational structure, but we are facing the 20th century uh, technological and, and societal challenges. And this uh, puts the uh, organization under, under, big, uh, uh, under big challenges. And, the complexity of the modern times is, is calling for different ways to cope uh, uh, with the way we organize. And, and we are trying to address uh, these, these needs. But unfortunately, we are still stuck in organizational paradigms where we are separating the decision uh, power from, uh, from who's actually getting the, their hands dirty with the, with the, with the work. Some organizations, uh, some even bigger organizations, are venturing in these new um, practices, new organizational paradigms. Uh, but and some of them have adopted them at, uh, at scale. Uh, but the majority of them is still looking at these paradigms from a, from a distance. And what we are witnessing mostly uh, is the two things are happening. Either uh, we are completely dismissing the organizational aspect and just focusing on the leadership aspects. So there's a lot of preaching about how the leaders and the managers should behave uh, in a different way and empower people. And on the other hand, and this we believe is the, the right path to take, some companies are actually starting to doing, uh, doing experiments. But these experiments have, have begun in, in a way uh, that is not really appropriate. So, so some of the patterns of the organizational patterns that are uh, uh, strictly bound to agile practices and have been uh, have been uh, forced into the into the organization. So there's been this trend of adopting agile practices, where Scrum teams, for example, have have been pushed into any places in the organization, and this has created a little bit of a discouragement for uh, for the new because this is not. Uh, the right way to approach this kind uh, of, of experimentation. In the in the 60s, Melvin Conway said that any organization that designs a, uh, designs a system will produce a, a design whose structure is a copy of the organizational communication structure. And and data mesh is is an example of, that that shows us why this has to be has to be true. We cannot address the way we manage data today on the uh, purely hierarchical organizational. Uh, organizational paradigm, and I think data mesh is a great uh, uh, is a is a great occasion uh, to look at the way we organize in a different in a different way. Um, getting up from the purely team dynamic uh, aspects into the data value uh, dynamics we want to to embrace, and, and so it, data mesh implies a communication structure that is no, non hierarchical in nature, but it's mostly peer peer base at the level that goes well beyond the single, the single team. So, uh, and it goes for principles such as transparency, distributed authority, evolutionary learning, autonomy. Uh, so it gives an, an, an occasion to actually walk the talk. 
before we were saying, okay, I love this principle, we, we have a hard time putting them into practice. Here we have an occasion to start putting them into, into practice. Do you want your data to help you in the best way it can? If the answer is yes, then maybe this is, a, this is a, an approach uh, that's technical and organizational at the same time that you can follow. And maybe Alberto, you, maybe you wanna, you wanna talk about the data perspective because that's it's more of your area of competence. Yeah, sure. Um, I agree with you when you say that this could be a, a, for a, an enterprise company, a huge opportunity to, to start the change. Uh, obviously, this change is, uh, is everlasting because uh, uh, when we talk about change in the organizational perspective, I mean, uh, regarding data management organization, it starts from the, uh, what, what I say it is uh, the 1.0 organization many years ago when i started work so many years ago uh and, and you too andrea <laughs> uh, because we are almost the same age and uh at that point um uh, organization were uh, subdivided into business units that asked for requirements and results to it units that were very consistent because uh, everything was in the, in the it unit uh, i mean in terms of uh, knowledge data and capabilities at the time so everything very consistent from, from that perspective. Obviously, with poor capabilities in terms of uh, um, building kind of um, what, what we consider today odd, uh, at the edge, I mean, in terms of machine learning stuff and, and so on. Uh, in some cases, a little bit messy because everything was done in a, in a div wh and then the div wh was for everything. It was, uh, was for uh, OLTP workload, OLAP workload, it didn't work so so well and so at the time somebody said i mean um, eight years ago or uh, something like that uh, we, we we throw away the silos we put the data into a central uh, environment uh, the famous uh, data lake uh, and everything will work um, with magic we can generate value and and we can go on from the 1.0 organization to the 2.0 organization but actually the organization did, didn't change so much <laughs> because uh, uh it became a bottleneck this uh, this kind of uh, pattern new pattern became immediately immediately during the years uh, a bottleneck because uh, um, it generated a, a central team and when you have to centralize uh, activities you become a bottleneck uh, at that point. So business units from the outside ask for, for, for results, a requirement to a central team. This central team is very technological evolved, uh, very skilled, but do not understand so much about data, the data meaning. And so the knowledge didn't follow the shift to the central uh, technological IT data lake. And uh, this pattern, obviously, is an anti-pattern from the organizational perspective. And the 3.0 organization that Data Mesh is promising um, overcome this, this kind of, uh, of pattern, and it goes from a data producer, data consumer kind of perspective, which is distributed. Uh, we always talk about that, the distribution of the ownership. Uh, if you need to scale, you have to distribute, generally speaking. Uh, and this is a, obviously this is an opportunity. Why? Because when we talk about it in, in the corporates and uh, in the enterprises, 
when they have learned and understand that this uh, pattern at architectural standpoint and also organizational one uh, is the future, they immediately recognize that there is a gap. And they say, okay, it works in my mind from the ideal standpoint, but how I can change my organization because I'm stiff. Uh, and so there, there's a, a breakthrough to, to overcome. And, uh, and, and, when, and when there is a change to be made, uh, the solution is simple. You need to start and to iterate from, from the beginning. Uh, otherwise, the change will never start. And uh, that's why uh, I think it is an opportunity because uh, data mesh implies that uh, these new distributed units about domains uh, introduce clarity and transparency uh, regarding uh, uh, who does what. And this is a huge opportunity to establish a, a starting point, uh, which is the organizational data mesh blueprint. To start with, obviously, the starting point is not the end point. So it's something that evolves iteratively. Uh, and uh, when, you need, when you need to start a change, you need to, to, to iterate and starting from, uh, I mean, a first milestone. And then from, from there, go and change and evolve daily daily or monthly on depending on what your organization needs to, to be done in a very lean logic way uh, and this is the opportunity that that i that i see from this uh, perspective so engaging the change uh, through this need of transparency and from the organizational perspective have a blueprint reference blueprint to start with and to evolve with alberto if i may um, i see how how data mesh uh, helps uh, with this change uh, looking at the future but a lot of times i see a big split a big divide in in companies where there is a, a formal structure usually hierarchical like a pyramid and then a very different uh, work structure how things are done how things flow and so on does data mesh address this split and and find maybe a solution on how to homogenize these two? Well, this problem uh, is a problem that, that is spread around many organizations that are mesh apart. Uh, obviously, when you have the formal organigram, uh, you, you need it because, uh, uh, I mean, in terms of formal uh, staff managing budgets uh, and so on, is something that is needy, need, that, that the organization needs. Then, from the working perspective, uh, what needs to be avoided is uh, workarounds, organizational workarounds, or something that is implicit and, and not clear. Uh, obviously, as I said before, uh, data mesh is an opportunity to, to introduce transparency and clarity in the organization. Uh, obviously, just regarding the data management organization, not the whole company, because uh, uh, data processes are not the 100% processes in a company. Most of the time they are at the core, and so they are important. It is important as well to, to go fast and to have a, a, um, a very fast time to market. And if you want to have a fast time to market, you need to be efficient uh, in, your, in your organization. And if you want to be efficient, uh, you need to have a, a clear transparency of ownership, accountabilities, and, and so on. So the, the, the work uh, explicit uh, organization must be very clear, must, must be at, at, the, at the light of the sun. So have everybody 
uh, need to understand uh, who does what. Um, and, and this principle is one of the concepts of, of data mesh. So um, I don't know, for example, if you are a, a business service uh, unit and you need to implement a new uh, data product, everything must be clear. You need to watch uh, your organization in terms of data domains in a very clear way with a clear structure. Uh, you need to employ uh, the functionality, self-service functionalities that, that you have to build something on in your domain. You need to interact very clearly with other domains, understanding if the informations and the data that you need uh, are somewhere already in place. Otherwise, if they are not in place, uh, you need to ask to someone to, to, uh, to, to develop something uh, mainly. And you need to understand very clearly who does what. So which is the interface or who is the interface in terms of roles that you need to, to engage to, to ask something to be done. Uh, and so this kind of uh, um, communication, so communication bus, I, I could say, um, must be supported in a very clear and transparent way. Clear, clear clarity and transparency must be explicit and in, in some cases uh, written because there, there is a, um, the, the most clear stuff um, to be understood is written. So when you write something and it's clear to, for everybody, uh, that there's no need to, to be misunderstood. There's no misunderstanding, generally speaking. And, uh, and this is a, an organizational pattern that is very uh, important to be implemented um, in the different teams and in, and in the different roles that are inside in, of each team uh, in the data mesh blueprint. That has obviously is, uh, its features and its specific teams and so on. So what to be, what needs to be clear are um, subdivisions of teams, what would be inside the governance uh, team, IT central team, what are the teams inside of this uh, central governance uh, team, what, are, what is the purpose uh, of, each, uh, of each team, what are the accountabilities of each team, and then defining what are the roles, the accountability of that roles, everything written and, and clear. Because if you write something, no misunderstanding. Uh, and from this perspective, Andrea knows very, very well, 100% what needs to be done. Yes, it's, it's an interesting, if I may, Nicolò, because you touched on a, on, a, on a very interesting topic, that the fact that we have a formal and a work organization. And, and the, the funny thing is it, that this separation between these two aspects has never been uh, as strong as, as it is today. In the beginning, the formal organization was is, is exactly the, the organization of, of work because uh, reality was much simpler than it is today. Uh, if, we, if we look at uh, uh, mass uh, religions or big armies, uh, their uh, your hierarchical organization was perfectly reflecting what was needed at the time. And even in the, the first uh, big companies of the, of the uh, early 20th century, like, like Ford, I mean, Henry Ford knew exactly uh, uh, how his cars were made down to the single screw because they were as complex as they, as they are today. So what we did was we kept those paradigm, those way to structure the organization, which are based on organizing the people in a, a relationship of, of, of dependency between each other, which, which is okay. It describes a, a specific part of reality that we need. We needed to maybe attribute to, to a career ladders sometimes or to attribute wages, but we, uh, we have separated the, the work, the complexity of the work has separated from that. So we need different, different, different tools. We have to organize the work now, not 
not the people. And in order to organize the work, you need to adopt a, a different grammar because the relationship that takes place, and data mesh is a, is a perfect example, that I are ant dimensional. It's like the metric organization or the hierarchy, the pyramid are not enough to describe the kind of complexity that needs to take place in order for data mesh uh, to work. So you, you need to have a different grammar uh, that describes how the roles uh, interact. And that's, that's exactly what, what, we, what we did when we developed this, uh, this blueprint. Andrea, I was thinking uh, decades ago in, in the Fordian uh, um, work, uh, ethics uh, work mm -hmm. organization there was this saying that the right hand must not care and must not know what the left hand is doing because it's up to the head to control them both right so it used to be that you were either the right hand or the left hand and in a way your universe was defined in that yes how does the new organization and these new tools uh, that put transparency at the center change the role of the individual right well i, I would add another quote for henry ford which is even uh which is important to remember because he used also to say every time i ask for a pair of hands they come with an ad attached so <laughs> he was complaining about the fact that the hands he was looking for were actually had a brain who wanted to think for himself and he had already all the things planned out so uh, we still need the specialization. We still need the um, the right hand to do one thing and the left hand to do and, and to different things and to have several hands. But we need those brains. We need to leverage on collective intelligence in order for this to work, to, for the organization to 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 become alive. So uh, the the life of individual in the in the working environment that values collective in, in intelligence changes completely. Because now we can express uh, autonomy, mastery, and purpose, which are the main motivator, motivators of any individual uh, at work. In order to do that, you need uh, a, an organizational structure where you are given uh, several possibilities that were not given before. First, with, with the clarity of your roles, you also receive the, the mandate to make decisions in this role, which is not all, always clear in traditional ways of, ways of organizing. In the traditional ways of organizi organizing, it's always the manager delegating, and it's never clear formally what is delegated and what is not. It's up to the management style of the manager. What we laid out here is, is instead, okay, uh, the data mesh uh, architecture, in order for, to work, requires that these interactions take place. And these interactions must take place because we have people with brains who are there making decisions in the domain where they are allowed to make uh, the, the decision. And this obviously gives you a completely different uh, approach to, uh, to work. Uh, it's not only more clear what is expected from you when you when you actually do the work because you have a list of accountabilities. You can go beyond those, but at least you know those are expected from you and you, and you have to, the authority to make decision. Uh, it, it makes clear what skills are needed to, for you to fill those roles. And that's also an important uh, an, an important aspect. So these are uh, these are there's a very important to, aspect to actually enable um, people to um, uh, apply and use their intelligence for the, the collective need of the of the organization. So this also increases the quality of uh, of, uh, uh, of of work. Uh, but another important aspect is that because uh, we are talking about the blueprint here, like me, uh, me, uh, me, and Alberto and, and other people and 
other colleagues at Agile Lab, we have defined this blueprint, but a blueprint should not be considered uh, uh, something that, 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 that stays there and printed in, in stone. And, and this is another aspect that we have to bring to the, paper, the, to the table. Not only the static way we describe the relationship, but also the dynamics of evolution of the organization. And, and it is important that when an organization adopts such a blueprint, it starts uh, intervening on it, adapting it to what it needs based on the, on, on the tensions, on, on the needs that are felt by the people who are filling this role in the, these roles, the different roles in the blueprint. So this is another energy. We, we have to uh, get rid a little bit of the traditional concept of org design where a consultant comes, gives you the blueprint, and, and you take it, and, and because that's the approach we've had for ages, right? And, and the organization becomes old as soon as you put it in place. So you need a mechanism by which you reflect continuously on that organization, and maybe you start tweaking a role here and there. Okay, in our specific organization, as we adopt this blueprint, uh, can we add this accountability here? Now that we have this clarity, because before you didn't have anything to add stuff to, not only you were not involved in the process of modifying it, but you didn't have even the clarity. So now you have the clarity and you, you can leverage on that clarity to make the small modification, put the right decision process in place so that the blueprints really adapts to the reality of your organization, which is not mono, monolithically equivalent for, for all the organizations, especially for the biggest, the biggest one, the enterprise organization who are going to adopt these patterns that they are. They span across several countries. They are in completely different business. So it would be unreal for us to expect that they adopt the blueprint as it is without modifying it over time. Sure, totally agree. I add that that, that point, is, which is very important. So uh, adapting dynamically uh, the organization is something that is really, really important when you need to change. We have said it before, but I would like to underline it more and more because actually uh, the most fear, uh, the most important fear that they can recognize in those big companies is that uh, the fear of change. So uh, we have this breakthrough. I don't know where to start, but the, the, the most important um, thing to be understood is not the starting point, but uh, is how you move constantly into the change because. Uh, uh, this, this is the, the first driver to be understood. It's not just, uh, well, and now I need to change. I need to go from status A to status B. What happens in status B? Mm. There's no status B. Exactly. There, there's a lot, and always moving and adapting a structure. Obviously, uh, when, when I think about specifically to, to a data mesh structure, uh, it means that, I don't know, uh, new domains are coming uh, during the time. Uh, there, there is a matter, obviously, of uh, how we can fit the, the starting point to uh, an, an initial um, legacy organization that we have. But uh, it's very important to, to go through the change and adapting to uh, the real needs of, of, the, of the department. Obviously, in this specific case, the data management department and the, the stakeholders that are involved. Yes. I agree. Things must must start with the design. Obviously, you always have to start with the design, and we did so by uh, starting with we took something from a holonic organizational principle to team topologies. We we looked at the value streams. What are the supporting function? What are the platform components that we need from the organization? I mean, from the organizational standpoint, 
but this is just a starting point and it is important that it is then uh, somehow customized and made uh, uh, your own by each organization who adopts it. Uh, so I think it's, 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 a good, it's a good terrain of experimentation because finally it, we go beyond the single team and, and we, st we start using at some technology patterns to actually affect the organization in a positive way. So I think it's a, it's a great occasion to experiment. Well, excellent. Thank you both for your time. For me, it's always very interesting to see, especially considering Agile Lab that really uh, produces and implements these um, data mesh uh, architectures and solutions that they're never trying to sell it. They always say, no, no, but data mesh is not something that you buy and fix this thing. You have to really get involved, to really think, to really leverage these two to achieve great success. And then it's a, it's a very fresh, very novel approach, considering how many people would just say, no, just buy a data mesh or two and, and things will be okay. I also think it's a, it's a very, complex uh, and, and exciting scenario, this of, of changes in the business structure and the enterprise structure. So I invite all of you to join this discussion in the comments. I promise we will, we will be uh, reading all of them and hopefully answering them either in writing or in a new video. Do consider subscribing to the channel because we'll keep talking about uh, data mesh in practice and all that it entices, not just the technology, but what it means and what changes it brings along. If you liked the video, press the like button. If you didn't like the video, press the dislike button twice. So it's very clear. And uh, we'll see you in the sixth episode of Tech Talk very soon. Thank you all. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ciao. Ciao.